Good morning and welcome to today's podcast. Um, this is Clint. Uh, I'm an administrator. High school, I'm starting to realize maybe I should be introducing myself a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I'm a high school administrator at a high school with a little less than 800 kids, but we have over 40 languages spoken at our school. So it's a real world community. Um, it's an inner city school, uh, but it's a small school district. So it's a very unique kind of a situation. And um, I'm creating, I've created this, or I've started doing this podcast as a creative outlet. Um, I'm following some recommendations by Chase Jarvis, um, as well as uh, Gary Vee, uh, some other people that I've listened to that I think are, are pretty key. Um, are Seth Godin and um, I don't know I listen a little bit to Ferris as well but um, anyways my main go-to's so far have been really Gary V um, Gary Vaynerchuk uh, and yeah so today's podcast um, what I wanted to do is take a look at my notes from this last week and really reflect on some of the things that I, I talked about. So previous episodes, I talked about how autonomy is the true currency and grades and points are not, uh, fake environments are hurting our kids. And what that means is not allowing our students to fail, um, hurts our kids because the, the reality of things are this, True learning happens when failure happens. It's not really learning if you front load everything and and then the kid does small little bit of effort and then boom, they're successful. Uh, they don't learn as much that way. Um, I'm not suggesting that we don't scaffold activities and things like that at all. Uh, I'm not, well, yeah, I'm not really suggesting that at this point because I don't know what would happen. I haven't really tried that. But this idea of, of gradual release of autonomy um, as students start to show their capability and their capacity to be able to do this kind of work, um, this free sort of open stuff, I think that's a better route to go. And um, it ties it ties really well into uh, yeah it it ties really well into the other thing that I was saying, which is autonomy is the new currency. So the more autonomy you have, uh, that can be a a much bigger motivation than any grade ever could be, and that lines up with some research that I've done with Daniel Pink. Um, and when I say research, I mean, I read his book. (laughs) Uh, so, um, in that book, he talks about the, there's three core principles, three core things that are necessary for true motivation. And this is motivation around, uh, um, kind of creative sort of endeavors or things that where there's not a clear, Hey, this is the solution or, if I do this much work, this much will happen. It's when there's this certain amount of doubt and, and question on whether or not 
you'll be able to get to the answer you need to. There's multiple pathways to an answer, you know, stuff like that. So a, a certain amount of creativity is involved. And what he found is um, the <clears throat> motivation goes down if you're using extrinsic rewards, like things like money or, you know, like tickets and things like that. So uh, I felt like that was pretty groundbreaking and important because, man, I can't tell you how many times I've dealt with situations where the great new thing is to start these ticketing systems and the kids respond really well to them. And that might be somewhat true for for some of the kids, but for a lot of the kids where uh, behavior is kind of a bigger deal. Um, and, and really we're talking about some deeper issues there than what, what is necessarily controllable. Uh, I think it's a false positive. I mean, there's a good thing to be said about making sure that the expectations are clear and understood. Um, I think that's important, but this idea that, oh, now, now we have to come up with a ticket system. And we have to we have to give tickets to kids when they're doing good things, and and then we have to create like a false economy <laughs> around those tickets. And uh, it's very easy to lose sight on what the tickets originally were meant for, which is an incentive for them to follow the rules. And what I feel is that's cheapening the rules because you get rewarded by following the rules because there's natural things in following those rules. At least there should be. Um, and that's what we deal with every day in, in a society, it seems like, is, okay, is this a rule that will actually benefit others? Or if I break it, it'll harm others? Uh, you know, I think about speeding, for example. How many people go five miles an hour over the speed limit? Uh, it's a rule. Um, but people break it all the time. But then it's more about the severity of breaking it. So people that are trying to go, you know, 10, 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. But then you have to ask the question, well, when does it stop? And when's uh, what's the line? And, and then you come up with the speed limit again. And it feels like it just goes around and around in a circle. Many of the, the rules and, and things like that, that, no, that's not true. But uh, you have to be careful looking at your rules, making sure you have everything's in there enforceable, everything in there has its own purpose and its own importance. Um, and comparing it to, is this really what we believe is a school? You know, uh, all those things are key. But it boils down to, my original thing that I was talking about, which is motivation. If you start giving extrinsic motivators uh, to do things like follow the rules, what happens when there's no extrinsic motivators? Really, what what happens? And the answer is, is why they'll ask the question, why follow the rules? I'm not getting anything out of it. So you understand why I'm saying that that's dangerous um, because you're creating a fake environment. Look at life. You don't get any special kind of reward for 
not breaking the law other than your main reward is you're not punished and it's also it's safer and you know there's a lot of different rewards um but sometimes that's the reason why poverty can can really lead to a lot of crime because when you have to decide between things that will keep you alive and following some arbitrary rule um like immigration law for example uh you could guess what's going to win out you're going to do what's best for your survival um and the rule isn't going to be as important so again uh it's important that we we do our best to try to mimic what what it is about our society that we want to reinforce So I I apologize for kind of I feel like I'm jumping all over the map here. So I'm trying to I'm trying to refine my my message and keeping it succinct and um and in a digestible way, but there's so many aspects to this idea um and and it's something that I've pressed against repeatedly as an administrator. An example of me not pressing against this as an administrator but still being upset about it my daughter's school she goes to a middle school and in that middle school they came out with a new rule this year and it seemed like it was so very very important um kids aren't allowed to drink from their water bottles i kid you not that is the rule kids aren't allowed to drink from their water bottles unless they're at, at lunch um and i tried to find out from the staff when we had student like conferences and things it felt like it was a ridiculous rule like where the hell did this come from and why you know i thought hydration was kind of important um and my daughter she'll follow the rule don't get me wrong and she'll raise her hand and ask to go use the water fountain if it's not Uh, but i asked a number of questions one of them is why and uh one of the things that was told to us is allegedly uh every classroom has a water fountain inside of it so there's no need to carry a water bottle to have a water bottle with you and so i was thinking of that and that doesn't make a lot of sense uh because well one when we went to around to my daughter's classes come to find out majority of her classes as in more than 50% of her classes do not have a water fountain inside of the classroom so she has to go down the hall to use the water fountain another point of irony that i thought was really funny is every single one of it's a new school just opened this year so every one of the water fountains has you guessed it a bottle filler so it fills up a water bottle which you're supposed to not have. And so I I I really pressed a couple of teachers to try to find out, you know, I'm I'm beside myself. I do not understand why. And the only person that could give me a an answer, I now I don't know if this is the real answer or not, uh, but the answer that he gave was, "Oh, the kids used to poke holes in the caps and they would squeeze the water bottle and spray each other." and i almost fall fell out of the chair i was like are you kidding me so because some kid 
sprays another kid with water. Um, my kid can't have access to water on demand. Interesting. And what reality is, is like normally I wouldn't sit here and think to myself if, if this rule didn't exist. Oh, I'm so glad that they don't have this rule because it just seems so weird. Like I've never heard of this before. And so we have rules like that. And it's not the first time with this middle school where they have done these kinds of rules. And I'm like, what, what, is, what is going on? And I have some theories. They're not nice theories. Uh, but really what it feels like is happening. And this is from a parent perspective. I do not know the administrator very well. I am not making a value judgment on that person or their character. Uh, but I can tell you the way it feels as a parent is that this, this principal cares about nothing more than teaching kids compliance. And compliance is the number one uh, um, ideal for this school. And the issue I have with that is based on the people that I listen to and uh, that, that, that I've been really following and I've, that, that gel well with my mind and where I'm at, Seth Godin constantly says, let's make a ruckus. And it doesn't mean that we're all renegades or anything like that, but it's, you know, challenging the status quo. It's, uh, look, it's taking a step back and looking at it from a systemic perspective. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is similar where it's like, okay, so these are the things that, that have been true in the past, but they're not always going to be that way. And trying to anticipate, well, what would work and, and stuff like that. And neither of them talk about breaking rules on a regular basis, but they do talk about challenging things. And I do not feel that compliance, teaching compliance in this way lends to that because I have seen so many. Now, mind you, most of the organizations I've been over have been, um, have been school districts, you know, and what I've come to find out is people will hide they will hide behind hierarchy and the hierarchy kind of style of thinking. So, for example, you hear things constantly like that is above my pay grade or no, I, you know, it's not my job to change that. And that goes, that flies in the face of being a linchpin. You need to be able to create or, or you need to be able to 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 say, well, what's keeping me from doing this? Is it my own, like, belief that somehow I don't have the power or the, the, the go, you know, like, I don't have the, the authority to go and make this decision? Many times, it, you don't have the authority to make the decision. But have you presented the decision? Uh, have you challenged an answer if it's given and it seems wrong? You know, these are the things that have to happen in order for, for systems to improve. If I have a boss that comes down and says, oh, this isn't correct. Uh, we can't use the funding for this particular project in this way. Uh, do something else. And 
it would be against my beliefs. And, and I have done this to my own detriment at times, but I have done this where I'm like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I take the stance of, you know, show me where does it say in the law that I can't do this. And a lot of times that second pressure, that second push will help be the deciding factor or even the realization that the, the impression that was given to the person around that rule around that law was actually incorrect because you challenged it. They went back and looked at it and sure enough, it didn't make a lot of sense. And so not only did you affect change for the thing that you're trying to get taken care of, but you're also affecting change for a larger system because now that, that, that misunderstanding is cleared up. So all these things aren't really necessarily they're not, they're not in a system where you're not uh, um, challenging the status quo, so to speak. And this idea of hierarchy uh, really, really bothers me because I look at what's the difference between me and, and, and a teacher. And the reality is, is, well, I went back to school, paid a bunch of extra money to sit in these classes. And yeah, I learned a few laws and things like that, but really, it's how much I'm getting paid. I'm still the same person as I was when I was a teacher. I've learned a number of lessons. I have a lot of responsibilities, yeah, but like it's just I don't know. Somehow me coming up with the answer uh to a problem it seems like well why would I come up with a better answer than somebody else who might come up with a better answer? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, which is why I tend to try to, in, in, in every situation, I try to involve my, my teachers in a number of decisions. So that way we can get the po- best possible thinking because thinking in isolation is not helpful. But a hierarchical system, you end up thinking in isolation and it's problematic. So sorry for the rant. It was quite a lengthy one. I apologize for that, but... Um, and I, I was a little bit all over the place. Again, my ADD is catching up with me. So, um, uh, but I do appreciate this, taking this time to to talk through these these issues. And um, I, I like learning together with you. And uh, I really enjoy this podcast. It's helped me out. It's given me energy, actually. Um, and I know today is Sunday, but I'm on my way to work. I, I do this thing where I work for three hours every Sunday. Uh, I found it was necessary because when I try to do work, when I have teachers or staff members in the building, it is always a struggle because they tend to, you know, they tend to take up time. Uh, whether it's intentional or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, whether it's important or not, doesn't matter. It's reality is, is I need I need a few hours of, you know, totally focused, uninterrupted time in order for me to be able to be organized. And what I'm finding is, even though I've done a number of things to try to get, try to battle this issue I have with executive function, which is a function of my ADD, even though I've tried to deal with that in a variety of ways, it's still kind of lingering out there. Um, It's still a perception that is taken and a lot of times perceptions aren't too far away from truth and so 
if I'm to focus, I need to figure out, I still need to figure out how to be able to focus myself and, and, and to be more organized and plan for bigger things because too often I'm getting caught if I'm in the middle of something that's, that's pretty important and something else comes up, I do not prioritize. It's part of my problem is I will just jump off of what I'm doing, go solve the situation. If it's something I could solve right away. And, and then there we go. Well, that's okay. If you're everybody in your system uh, only comes and asks for help when they truly can't get a solution. Um, but it's not helpful for the people that will throw up their hands in any slight hiccup uh, because then I'm running around doing a bunch of their work and mine and so something ends up falling off a plate. So anyways, uh, I apologize again for the length of this uh, podcast. Um, I hope that there was some amount of um, value that you saw in it and I appreciate you listening if you listened this far. So thank you very much, uh, and I will speak to you tomorrow.